Traveling the Vortex. Join Lethbridge Stewart as he travels up his own time stream, and as he arrives at episode 399, I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? I've never heard the phrase, travels up his own time stream. Oh yeah, why not? Travels up his own time stream. I suppose it works. What, what else would you call that? Swims up his own tra- time stream. <laughs> paddles up his own, paddles time, up stream. His own tra- time stream. What, what happens know. when a man goes through his own portal? <laughs> Did you guys have a good week? Yeah, not bad. Do anything fun? Not really. <laughs> Do anything not fun? I was sick for part of it. That was That's not, not fun. fun. We went to uh, Kansas City for the uh, 48-hour film project, uh, film awards. Uh, we had made the top 10 with the film that we did, and Woo-hoo! so Dave and I Good went job. over, and we picked up our award for Best Choreography. Woo-hoo! So, not a dance number in it, but... Um, <laughs> Congratulations. We, <laughs> thank you. Uh, but no, I mean, I think it, we, we, we sort of talked about it here, but I think, it, it, as you said, it's probably because of how it was choreographed, as in yes. how we blocked it and edited it and set it up, but... Uh, kind of like yeah. fight choreography. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we, even we, though there wasn't a fight scene either, we picked up a, <laughs> <laughs> we picked up that ward this weekend. But that that was fun. It was nice to go see. I hadn't seen any of the films. Uh, they did. They'd had screenings for them, you know, a few weeks back, and uh, hadn't had a chance to go see any of them. Uh, but I think there was twenty nine, twenty eight entries. Well, there were twenty nine, but one didn't make it. And then uh, they went and showed the top ten on sunday so so we were part of the top 10 and we got the official uh best choreography award yeah. and then what were the two audience choice we ones? also picked up audience choice uh although you know we didn't get physical words for those but we were chosen for best music and we were chosen for best editing by the audience so and top 10 yeah, yeah. So and choreography we're still doing something right <laughs> absolutely i i've think the next one we need to do will be a musical with a big dance number see what, yeah see what happens <laughs> maybe we'll get best um best fight scene. Sequence. <laughs> <laughs> i finished iron fist season two what'd you think it was pretty good it's got a pretty good audience score on uh, i like it rotten tomatoes it, so. it's a lot better than the first it season. is a lot better than the first season i like how they ended it though uh, if nothing else, it's worth watching it just to see the bold direction they go with the things they do. I don't want to say more than that in fear of spoilers. So is there going to be Defenders Season 2 is kind of the next? No. Well, I guess Daredevil's <laughs> been announced Daredevil now. But three Daredevil next. Season 3. Uh, Jessica Jones Season 3 has been announced now. Punisher Season 2. Uh, no. In fact, uh, I was reading an article the other day where Defenders is anyone on any any on any schedule or radar or anything right now. Really? So, well, yeah. and the state the heroes are kind of in would be a bit more of a challenge to get them in place unless they do something which I wouldn't want to see them do is kind of like a Civil War type thing. Are you guys doing anything else this week? Sean, did you see anything? I saw The Predator. Did I talk about that? Yes, you did. Okay, then uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Vegas Vacation this week, but I've seen that a hundred times probably. So, we started watching the Goldbergs. Have you guys watched that show? I've seen a few episodes. Dave raves about that. It's show. hilarious. We're only like two episodes in, but it's really funny, and it's all sorts of nostalgia, especially for folks like us. I highly recommend it. Yeah, I'm based on two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, what do we got in the news, Keith? Well, a new trailer dropped. Can we call this one a trailer? Is that okay? This one's actually a trailer. Are you sure it's not a teaser? Yeah, no, this one's a trailer. <laughs> this one didn't anger me, so it must be a trailer. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought normal trailers angered you. The ones they call trailers that aren't trailers, okay. yeah. You said last time that even trailers anger you. Well, if they do too many of them. <laughs> what did you guys think of the trailer? I liked it. It's a trailer. It didn't anger me. It didn't give me, it didn't give me much more information, but it was, it was good. It's good to see more, uh, a bit more clips yeah. and action and 
seen this is the first one where, energy. This is the first one where I feel like you showed me, hey, Doctor Who's coming back. Everything else has been foreplay. This has been like, hey, Doctor Who's coming back. So I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> now I'm ready for it. I thought it was good. I haven't watched it like a million times, so it didn't excite me that much. I think I watched it twice. Yeah, I think I watched. I think I watched it three times. I've only seen it twice. I can name that tune and <laughs> <laughs> but like a competition. Part, well, part of that Again, is and I like the tune. In. <laughs> we a, a good tune for the yeah, it does for the theme good, of this. Yeah, you know. maybe it's because Moffat kind of ruined us um, on all of the. You know, we were so. Did you see that one part at the minute 20 mark when this happened? We think this is going to... We don't have to dissect these things because it's probably not there. I think that's the nice thing is you haven't even seen a lot of people dissecting the online because I think they realize, what what are you going to look for? Everything is supposed to be new. Yeah, we don't know anything. So there's nothing returning. There's... It's really nothing in context other than, oh, look, here's the doctor and she's awesome. As opposed to the last trailer when we were going, the Mavellans are back. <laughs> and they were. <laughs> and they were. Right. <laughs> well, moving on to news. They have also announced some new 13th Doctor books, including The Good Doctor by Juno Dawson, Molten Heart by Una McCormick, and Combat Magics by Steve Cole. So each cover, which are gorgeous, feature one of the new friends so I don't know if each story will focus specifically on that their relationship or if it'll be all three of them they don't really give that information in the blurbs 54 years of Doctor Who and nobody has used the good doctor before now that's a good point not. it took an ABC series for somebody to get the yeah. idea <laughs> well wasn't it a Neil Simon play first was it I don't know. It doesn't matter. What? Uh, <laughs> every time somebody has a question, somebody goes, I got to go to look it up. M. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was. What uh, What else? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just moving through. Glenn's so. chomping at the well, bit to get I, through the I don't the have news. much reaction for these. Yay, there's a trailer. Yay, there's some books. <laughs> well, More merchandise I can't afford. Yay. Yeah, <laughs> More stuff for the book read. The good that's, book club. That's okay, the, that's now the, I, you got to put that spin on it. it. There yeah. you go. More more fodder for the book club. Yes. Well, and speaking of more fodder for I the book club. I think my thing is, though, every time they release a new book, I, I lament the fact that I still have, like, a whole catalog of Doctor Who books I haven't read yet. <laughs> yeah. It's... And I keep thinking, oh, quit quit adding to my pile. I'll never get done before I die. There's a veritable mountain. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, Candy Jar Books has announced another book to add to your pile. Yay. I think we're going to get to this one. Probably. Yeah, but I'm all caught up with Candy. <laughs> I'm all caught up with the, uh, uh, the Stewart, Stewart stuff. Books. Yeah. Uh, so, well, yeah, I am caught up now. Yes, Fear of the Web comes out soon, but in in about a week you will not be caught right, up again. Exactly. But right. for right now, you're caught. Although up. Although I am considering reading it when that one comes out, even though we won't be able to get to a review of that one till down the line. I'm Considering reading that one. It's probably not a bad idea. It'd be nice to be ahead of the game for a while. <laughs> and then you got to make sure you reread it or remember. Right, right. That's the problem it. with me reading it ahead of time. Then I would have to reread it again because I would be, uh, I don't remember. Of course, you happened. could probably just skim it if you've read it once. Yeah, that's true. When you reread it. Well, they're, they have announced actually uh, Newbert's short story collection. It's second Lethbridge Stewart short story competition and a reprint of Havoc Files 2. So, the first, the short story collection, The Havoc Files Loose Ends. That's the name of it. <laughs> it's a collection of short stories written by range editor Andy Frankamallon. Woo! So a whole collection of short stories written by Andy tying up loose ends. How fantastic is that? That's great. <laughs> <laughs> and I know he has taken things we've said and added them to a list of loose ends. <laughs> Now, if stories got written around those, I'm not sure. What I like about a series is when they recognize that, hey, we've got a few things that need to be tidied up, and they tidy them up. You see a lot of series out there that don't do that. They just kind of drop the ball. Now, I like to think sometimes Andy thinks, oh, these guys realize there's a loose end, so we're going to tie it up. But we may have a little, little part in that as well, although I think he goes back and he looks yeah. at stuff going, oh, wait a minute, we didn't really kind of finish that up but i think we've kind of kind of lent to that as well i think we have also especially when we come up with something he didn't think of oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
the anthology will feature stories focusing on a variety of characters regularly seen through all the books. Um, not a lot of details on that. And, of course, Loose Ends will initially only be available in a limited edition and is up for pre-order right now. Woo-hoo. Go to the competition news. What's that all about? Oh, the competition. Uh, because of the success of the first one, they're doing a second round with another competition. Uh, this one will be open to both those in the UK and outside for submissions. <laughs> So you can I obviously go find more details about what you need to do to try to find out how to take part in this by going to Candy Jar's website. Forward me that link, William. Yes. <laughs> Entry fee is five pounds. Just so you know. Oh, I don't know if you can afford that, Sean. Probably not, but uh, don't forget inflation and conversion and Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go, I'll go shake some money out of the couch cushions. A minimum of three thousand words. That probably shouldn't be a problem. And uh, <laughs> the number of copies Havoc Files 2 is getting is 50 additional reprints. Yay. So if you didn't get your copy, rush out now. And our last bit of news comes from Big Finish. They have announced a series of audio stories featuring Missy, as played by Michelle Gomez. Woo! The Missy Chronicles. What it will be called, I believe. I'm not going to give a whole lot of other details because, you know, go read it. I'm sure there's going to be a trailer soon. And uh, they're going to come out in February 2019. Cool. So I'm sure we can expect lots of debauchery and mischief. <laughs> debauchery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With Missy? I yeah. mean, come on. <laughs> Actually, what I, what I want now is I want... The Masters box set. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I just want all of the Masters to get together in an audio adventure, including Missy, and pull five doctors with it. So here's a nice little tidbit from it. Uh, she's going to encounter the meddling monk. Ooh. Oh. So that'll be uh, an interesting adventure to see the two of them together. Played by Rufus Hound. You know who she won't be encountering? The doctor. No. Herself? Nope. Who? Well, the war chief. <laughs> because it's the same person. So, yeah. The, the, monk right, and the, the monk and the war chief are the same person? No. The monk and the master are the same person. Uh... Or no, the war chief and the master, not the monk. <laughs> now Sean's very confused. <laughs> Way to go, Glenn. Ruin my joke, Glenn. <laughs> I'm just saying, you've never seen them in the room at the same time. It's true, but I've never been in the same room as Trump, and I'm not Trump. Uh, and the I master, could prove that. The master and the monk hadn't been in the same room at the same time up until now. Yeah, that's true. But now plus, we, but plus now we've we seen the master in the same room with the master. And he's, that, that kind of throws another... Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Different faces of the same person right. in the same room kind of throws a, a wrench in your plans. The way the master loves disguises, I guess he could have been all of the villains. <laughs> it's true. All right, do we have any feedback this week? No feedback well, this week. Then that means we can get right into our review of Scary Monsters. Which, by the way, I loved. Go ahead and read the blurb. blurb. <laughs> Sir Alistair Lethbridge Stewart is nearing the end of his life and has just buried another old friend. Feeling out of sorts, he is somewhat surprised to find himself in 1981. Some mysterious force has pulled him backwards in time into his own past, an adventure he has only vague memories of. Eight, 1981. London. A bomb detonates in a London pub and Brigadier Alistair Lethbridge Stewart is among the injured. Moscow, a hijacked plane, sits on the airport runway, and Major Grigory Grigory Bugayev. Sure. Yeah, it's Bugayev. 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 Not Boogie Monster. Oh, but he is. Leads the assault against the six gunmen holding the passengers hostage. These are the triggers that set the two military men on an international manhunt. Their investigations converge and uncover a group of terrorists whose roots reach back to sinister Cold War experiments. 
and something that was unearthed in ancient ruins in the New Mexico desert by one Sophia Montilla Montilla. Montilla and Anne Travers. Terror is a contagion. It means to spread, and humanity is set on doing everything in its power to help it. Bum, bum, bum! Sean, you like this book, I too. liked this book. I did, too. Lots of layers, lots of confusion. Lots, lots which, of confusion. good confusion. I've talked about before. There's good confusion and there's bad confusion. If you confuse me through a book, you better sure as heck... <laughs> Bring it all together, and this book does that. We, yes. It was right on the verge for me of too much confusion for too long through the book. And right as I got to the frustrated part of why have I been thrown into the deep end, <laughs> then things started to resolve, and those layers started to peel back, and things started to make sense. And it was like, oh, okay, now I'm with it. And then, yeah. and then it just, yeah. Now, there was always little nuggets that I... It would come back to me, and I was like, oh, but what are these, you know, oh, the bones, for one thing. Right. They kept leaving these bones at locations, and I kept thinking, this is going to be important, but all of these people have these psychic powers that manifest in, in slightly different ways. They all kind of do the same thing, but they all have almost like different ways to channel them. And I kept thinking, they kept leaving these bones, and I kept thinking, these obviously the powers aren't coming from these bones you must have these powers why are you leaving these bones are they calling cards are they and i kept I, the, that kept happening the bones kept getting left and i kept thinking this is got this is going to go somewhere and then there's this lull of no bones for a while except for we're talking about the bones obviously in the desert which i think must be connected and then but they're not leaving this calling card anymore for the longest time and i'm like okay where are the bones where's the connection these Oh, <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> these bones are amplifiers for all right. of their abilities, which I was like, okay, that was very cool and very clever. Well, even earlier on when you're trying to figure out, okay, this explosion happened, but it didn't. How is this going on? And you, you kind of, they lay the hints and then it just kind of, I don't know about you guys. It just kind of clicked just in it as we were learning the one guy is the first guy's backstory. I, was, I realized it dawned on me. Oh, that's where yeah. we're going yeah. with this. That's what happened. Okay, that's why it's somebody different. Well, it's so disconcerting that there's an explosion in a pub. A bomb goes off, and Lethbridge Stewart gets caught in it. And you're just like, oh, okay. But then the pub's fine. Nobody's hurt. I mean, windows aren't busted out or anything. It's like there's like nothing happened. And Lethbridge Stewart has different memories of who the perpetrator may have been. And so that right off the bat was like, what? And then we go to the airplane where there's a terrorist hijacking and the major goes in and they kill all the terrorists in a very cool, oh man, this book was cinematic. Well written. Oh yeah. 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 Um, And, uh, and then, oh, guess what? They weren't terrorists. They were actually, they were civilians. They were civilians. They were people on the airplane and you just went in and stormed them. And and it's just, what? What's going on? But then we get that first nugget. We get that backstory and how his mental powers. That was vastly right. Vastly. Yeah, vastly yeah. backstory. And uh, it was like, okay, I think I'm beginning to see maybe where some of this is going. And then there's a lot more confusion later. <laughs> and then a wonderful chase scene with the redhead. Yeah. 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 yeah that's great. I think the one thing that took me a little while to pick up on was the fact that the unit comes in and they're going to blow, they're actually blowing up this pub. And I thought, what is going on? Why are they doing that? And it took me a little while to kind of backtrack and realize, oh, this thing was so traumatic. They're going to make it look like it really it did happen. Yeah. But they're, it's a controlled situation where they, they can, you know, they've got everybody out there safe. They can clear the blocks. Oh, the way people are going to hear this second explosion. Well, a second incendiary device was found on the on the initial sweep of the of the first one. And so we can even explain that one off. And I yeah. thought, oh, well, this is that's actually very like... Um, what do they call it? Uh, deep, uh, deep state government stuff there with uh, <laughs> with unit doing that. But mm-hmm. I thought, you know, it it almost justifies. It makes it necessary. 
And far the more believable Americans, and easier to write off than what the U.S. The Americans did. decide, well, we're just going to call it hallucinogenic <laughs> chemical attack. Right. And I thought, yeah, that sounds like us. <laughs> well, to be fair, also, it was a much bigger target in the U.S. than it was in the U.K. It certainly was, yeah. That <laughs> a little harder to blow up, harder blow up that hotel. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and what, keep it contained. What, one of right. these things is you go, oh. Okay, and one of these things is, man, this is a conspiracy theory. There's just all kinds of nut job, yep. you know. And all I can think of is Close Encounters, Anthrax. We need something scary. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> That's a cover up. I don't buy that. I was so glad to see Boygayev back, and I was so glad to see, although we had been tipped off that they were coming. Uh, uh, Senora back. Yeah. I was like, oh, these are like old friends for me because I really enjoyed them so much in uh, Blood of Atlantis, and to see them back together and then realize that they all have this lasting friendship. <laughs> you are awful noisy tonight, there. He sure is. <laughs> uh, uh, we're talking about Cody the dog. So <laughs> yeah, don't blame me for this one. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't Sean this time. Um, <laughs> Uh, but Thank you. To, to realize that their 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 friendship has lasted even beyond the events of uh, Blood of Atlantis, and that they've all you know still still have somewhat contacts and stuff, and that their friendship will continue on into the future because the uh, the brig making the comment about you know old friends past, and uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Too. I loved the dropped bit about the at no point in time did they nail down this was the first time we'd seen him since right that so there's been obviously a couple of adventures maybe that could be slotted in in between things and then a couple more to come well i don't even know about adventures but at least contact yeah Mm -hmm. yeah well i mean something that i I, i'm fine with them calling each other up and and drinking a toast over the phone that doesn't bother but i also like the idea that they they keep because bergiev is just he's he's like the soviet version of, of of lethbridge stewart you know, if this was G.I. Joe, he's the October Guard. He's just, the, he's, he's the counterpart. And I like the fact that he's off doing his thing. Lethbridge is off doing his thing. But because they're in the same field, the roads they're merge. going yeah. to keep bumping yeah. into each other yeah. from they time cross to time. Pass frequently. So, but yeah, he, he's such a fantastic magnetic character. And um, just, yeah, any of his stuff was just like, oh, not that any of it was bad, but I just really, really enjoyed reading his. Well, and pairing Anne with the Senora together in the past, and obviously they have a friendship beyond that that continues forward also. Based on that. Yeah. Based on their encounters together. Yeah, what they encounter in New Mexico. Um, Yeah, and that was another thing that I, I, I... Oftentimes... A flashback chapter will be inserted, and I'll think, okay, here we go. We got a, we got all this ex- exhibition. We've got to, you know, get us caught back up to what happened in the past. And sometimes to that's a bit taxing to me. It's not, it's not detrimental usually, but it's, it's sometimes it's a bit taxing. But taking us back to what happened in New Mexico for that chapter, I thought was that was another one that was very. Uh, as soon as it started. I was just, I was engrossed, you know. Okay, what's Anne going here to do? Why is Senora, you know, why has she uh, asked her to come here? What's going to happen? And then just to have that whole thing play out where they they find the wall that's like a, you know, perception filter essentially, and Anne manages to take it down, and they get through, and all of a sudden the CIA shows up, and they're coming through, and uh, they go through into the the catacombs and find the, the, the child, and uh, escape out through the side, bury the child, so that you know they. I thought, wow, this is really some amazing. As you said, it's cinematic writing. It's it. I could visualize everything because the picture was painted so well with words that uh, I, I really didn't have any sort of time that I thought, okay, I've got to really stretch my imagination to figure this out. It was all presented there, and it was that that chapter there I especially liked. Oh, and yeah. so it was nice for that to kind of be capstoned. At the end of the book, where that's where we end up back to with, with the terrorists and already being familiar enough with all of this and knowing what happened before, I thought that was really well done. Initially, it felt kind of like we got a bonus short story in the middle of the yes, book. Yes, But then it tied in perfectly to the end and yes. it came back in just the right way. The um, globe trotting in this one is, is, is really fairly outstanding. Um, not that the Lethbridge-Stewart series has shied away from that. But 
generally the books are kind of set in one location yeah. with maybe some wide-ranging sure. implications but it's you know we're this is here and oh, so for this in one australia it's in australia if it's in new york it's in new york right uh, london it's in london or scotland or you know and the so UK, for, for this one to go from london to paris to russia to geneva oh <laughs> Why Austria was thrown in there. We've never seen the brig in Geneva. We've always heard about it. We've never actually (laughs) seen it. Um, And then to to come to the States. And it was just, oh, this was so cool. And um, the other part of it that really floored me was how well America was captured. Yes, yeah. yeah. All of the scenes that were in America felt like they were in America. They didn't feel like a British author trying to kind of fake America. Which, you know, can happen. Uh, I had to message Simon and ask him. I said, oh, you're, not, you're not a displaced uh, American, are you? And he did explain to me that his, I think maybe it was a former wife. He was married to a woman who was American. And they actually lived, he lived here for a little while in Oklahoma and Texas, mostly. So, in fact, when he's writing the one uh, scene about the truck going through on uh, 122 and passing a IHOP and a Sonic... And I was like, oh, my gosh, he's like he's writing in my backyard here. Yeah, because this is stuff that's familiar to me because that's Midwest stuff. And I, so I, I had to ask him, I said, I, surely you're a displaced American. And he said, no, <laughs> but he, he was married to a woman that was from America. Well, he got the details right, which is just yeah. one of those things, because there's nothing that pulls you out of a book than knowing yeah. those details and not getting them right. Yeah. And then you go, oh, well, all of a sudden the starts to, no, this was all right there. The other part of it was the time frame. It felt like 1981. Yeah. Oh, there, yeah. there wasn't a lot of overt, you know, Ready Player One references. No, no, no. To it. Yeah, but but it it just it just jived. It yeah. just everything felt right. Uh, and you know, Lethbridge Stewart's constant struggles with, oh, if only I had Google, right? You right. know, and the, you know. <laughs> picking up a pager yeah and, and just little things of, of that nature that were like yeah yeah you know yeah, not being able to use a, a smartphone or a, yeah i thought that was that was really clever so those, those are little touches that i That's really the enjoyed neat thing about setting this story in the rigs future past is this doesn't go all the way back to the 60s and 70s this yeah. is typically for the most part set in 198 well it is set in 81 and it's it's a time in his life where it's just as he's taking the next step in his life. But the cool thing about that on top of that is we've started this story in near present day and used a device to pull him back to 1981. So he clearly has already lived an entire life and to make reference to, you know, I, I sure wish, you know, you ha- I had a smartphone. No, I've got to go to the payphone and make this call. Or, yeah, sure wish I had Google. Those kind of references are like, it, it brings you back into the fact that, especially since you get so involved in the story being 1981, it does bring you back to the fact that, oh, yeah, this is the brig from the future that is reliving a lot of these events that he doesn't remember. And so it was. It, it's able to keep you grounded in the fact that there is a bigger picture here. There is a bigger story arc that's going on. Yeah, and... While I appreciated those little aspects, I do wish that part would have played more into the story. It the the main thrust of the nineteen eighty one story was a strong enough story for me that we didn't could have done it without the laughing gnome tacked on because But I don't think it is tacked on. I think it's a I think it's a brilliant way to <clears throat> give everybody something that's coming you know, well, obviously, down the obviously down it's, the a, it's a it's a through thread that we're going to revisit. I think it's a great through thread. I think it's I, a I just I, I need idea. to see it through before I can decide yeah. what I think of it because I wish there was aside from the one thing of uh, his him being able to remember about his friend's son it had no impact on the story. Although it was necessary, in fact, that it was very being, important that he met him at the funeral or right. that he had, had come up to him and talked to him at the funeral. Because that did plant that information that he needed when he did go back in the past to know that that kid was, or that young man was on the uh, ship. Yeah, I just wish that it had even more included, like his memory, the fact that he could remember what was happening. I, I know it's foggy yeah, memory, it but <laughs> I can, I that was come, my one little sticking point. But I know that's also because it's a long game aspect right, of things. Right. I kind of come down 
between you, but I, I agree, Keith, that it, it, it wasn't tacked on necessarily. But Lethbridge Stewart sure adapted quickly. Well, and, and I can't. Longest time without a reference, the fact that he was his past self, his future self was in his past self. Like there was no mention for it for at least a hundred pages. Oh, sure, sure. And then I, w- oh yeah, that's happened too. Yeah, right. just, and it, it just, well, I think we needed the constant reminders though of where we'd come from. I guess there and wasn't so enough think... constant reminder for me because <coughs> I went a hundred pages. Well, without, I think, and I had to. I think though that if you had reminded enough, it could have been a com- it could have been a crutch in order to give Lethbridge Stewart a little too much foreknowledge on things. Although, like like it, it's well said in this is that he has a lot of foggy memory. He doesn't remember this. And so I think that's important there too, is to, to yeah. why we're they're crafting this uh, arc the way they are. It, it works both ways because like I said, he, he adapts almost too quickly to being thrown into his past. But at this point in his life, <laughs> he's seen it all done at all. Right, so right. Th- there's no surprises anymore for him. It's just like, okay. And, so on the one hand, it was kind of like, well, I'm glad we didn't have to slog through because we're with it. We we yeah okay, you know, you threw him into the past, got it, and we can move on, and we're not having to suffer through pages of exposition where he's putting that piece of the puzzle together. Right. But on the other hand, while yes, it is a through line, and it's obviously the, the device. I mean, it's called the Laughing Gnome. He's in yeah. the title, so we know this thing is going to be you know instrumental to the series of books. Um. It's. It also did feel a little tacked on in that regard that it didn't have a whole lot to do with that. And I kind of agree with you. I'll have to see it out through the end to kind yeah. of figure out if the framing work. You know, do we need the trial of the time lord to enjoy the three individual stories? Is is kind of especially since the series jumps around anyways. Yeah. I. I if, if, well, if, I think that's why if it were a series that didn't jump around in time in the Briggs timeline telling stories, I disagree I with I you. I disagree with you 100%. The only thing that really kind of jumps around are the short stories that they've done in between. The story arc of the novels has been linear. It has been from Okay, yeah. It's been from the Web of Fear to uh well, the we're still dispatching pre-in- we're still pre-invasion. Dis- dispatch, at this point. Yeah, yeah, there you go, pre-invasion. That's that's what it is. And I think that that's what this, if, if you were to take, and I, I'm not, I don't think people are as fanatical about it. I hope they are, but I don't think people are as fanatical about the series that they read every single short story like we have. So we're used that's, to that jump around thing. True. But if you were just to take a series of three or four books and put them together in an arc like this and have one set in 81 and have one, obviously, that's coming up that's going to be set back in the 60s again because we're, right. we're revisiting the Web of Fear. I think that this is immensely necessary for especially a casual reader of the series so they realize that this is why we're being pulled around in time i guess we'll see what they do with it <laughs> yeah i think i hopefully the it's, payoff it's all yeah but well, back, that, back to this though I, I, yeah well that's that's the question is is it you know is the laughing gnome an entity is it a malevolent force that's doing this on purpose or is it just one of these random <laughs> artifacts that happens to trigger and the, you know I don't know. Right. I'm curious, yeah. and we'll find out when we get there. Right. So. Um, I loved how this had maybe. I think. I think I, one of the reasons I think I like this so much is it included elements or, or shades of things that I'm very a big a fan of, like the fact that he was in his younger self in the past. Oh, that's kind of a quantum leap idea. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. We've got the globe trotting and and very James Bondy kind of. Yeah. action scenes going on okay yeah cool and then we've got these bones so okay got an Indiana Jones you're, you're doing crystal skull correctly that's <laughs> kind of what it feels like it's, you've got a skeleton and his bones and and psychic powers all right yeah cool so I, I, I just those those little you know drawing from those elements is like yeah this is this is right up there with stuff that's I think one of the things that I, I, I sort of feared a little bit about this story was we were setting up a large cast of characters, especially since we've got two cells. I, going I had on. a lot of trouble keeping track See, of I, who was who. I didn't because I think they did a good job of having Vasily and the the one guy and I think it was Earl and I can't remember the other guy's name, but anyway, and then and then the redheaded who really was kind of peripherally connected. She wasn't quite connected yet. Right. But I think by dispatching the two characters... Well, no, Bonnie's in the... Oh, Bonnie's the... Yeah, the, the, the Bonnie's the redhead. 
no, no. Bon- Bonnie's no, the artist. Bonnie is no. That, see, now you're you're already cross pollinating, and maybe see, that's, that's why the you're problem. confused. That's confusing. But having Vastly, no, I'm talking about the European cell. We had Vastly, the henchman guy that, that projected the um, uh, Bob barbed wire, and then we had Bigger who was in the garage, and then uh, the redhead, and that was pretty much. There might have been a girl that was driving the getaway car, but she. Didn't mm-hmm. stick around for long. She showed back up at the end, but I think did she's, she? No, she, I think she, I think she's the one that. Oh escaped no, that was Valentina. That's right. Yeah. Wasn't that her? Okay, all right. So anyway, so we have those. But we dispatch two of those characters, and then the redheaded gal comes in and saves Vastly to kind of cement her place in this group. And I thought that was great. Get rid of these guys, so I don't have to worry about too many characters on this cell because now you're already starting to introduce me to Seth and his group, who has Bonnie, who's the artist, and I thought Valentina was with them though. Uh, maybe anyway you you've got that group <laughs> that are going to end up meeting up later but i thought that was great that they he narrowed down the characters sort of as we went well, i, I agree so that I it was good that, that was he good. narrowed down the characters i just still couldn't keep track of where <laughs> they, who they were and where they were uh because really only vast vastly and uh the redhead why can't i remember the redhead's name romana uh, romana romola 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 uh, she shows up, you know, obviously he and her show up in the in the U.S. when they're connecting up with these other guys. And there might right. have been one other character, but I don't remember. But they were so peripheral that it didn't matter. But shows up with the other group. But we've also then, before we get to the, the plat, we've dispatched of Seth in the city with Boygiev uh, on the... Uh, water tower taking out those two characters so i that thought was it was great it him. was it was really good to kind of pick off these characters in different locations before the big climatic battle on the uh mesa because i think what that did is it kind of it funneled the characters down so that i'd have I, there wasn't a lot of confusion me wondering where the heck is this person that we've been talking about One, yeah all of those people are, yeah. are are fleshed out really well before we get to the big battle on the mesa and there's only about a, a half a dozen of them left and then they're later, obviously, dispatched as well. Yeah, once everyone converged together, I had no trouble keeping track of who was who. Yeah, it was see, just when they were dispersed everywhere else. But I think that's, else that was, was the, the beauty issue. of picking them and off as we went. Yeah, I, I would agree I there. That worked. Yeah, I, I, when the individual bits were, were coming in with, not only are they on different continents, but they're in different cities doing different things. And then and we get flashbacks of certain people. And then coupled with the time jump. Because sometimes you're getting a flashback to this story versus it, it was a little disjointed, but the ones that were important had enough backstory that their name stuck. The ones that were unimportant, I kind of let slide, and yeah. then they were dispatched when I it was, wasn't important. Yeah, I was so, the same way. Um, although, <laughs> reading <laughs> the major picking up vastly and hucking him off the edge of the mesa. <laughs> Is probably the most satisfying paragraph in the whole book <laughs> because it's it's so boy yeah but yeah get him <laughs> just don't don't shoot him no <laughs> throw him yeah I don't know I was a little bloodthirsty at that point <laughs> I thought one of the interesting things was in the city before they get to the mesa when they're making the drop off and. Uh, Boy, yeah, I was like, well, you know, what will be the sign? He said, well, when the Brigadier is doing something that's not very oh, Brigadier-like, yeah. you'll, that'll be the sign. And I thought, yeah, that's true. Which which on the surface sounds like a, yeah, okay. Yeah. But then the Brig turns it to his advantage by yep. pointing the gun at his own head. Yes, He's not yes. being coerced into because it. Because I kept thinking, what's he going to do? Is he going to like like do something un-British or is he going to do something? I'm, I'm trying to figure out what could he possibly do that would be un-Brig-like? And then, yeah, turning the gun towards him, head, his yeah, head, yeah. as though he's and being pretending forced to struggle to do with it, it yeah. and doing all this, and the and, other and, guy and realizes telling, right at the last and moment, telling Seth at the same time what he's doing. You know, I could just turn the gun towards my head, and I was like, "Oh, that's so brilliant! Oh. That was so well done." That was a fantastic reveal. <laughs> Because you were, I, I didn't know. It was like, oh man, Anne's not there. Of course, Anne wasn't there. That was a hologram. Sure. How are we going to get out of this? What are you going to do now? How are you going to signal? Oh. <laughs> well, and even uh, uh, Romala, whatever her name is. I think it's uh, Romala. Romala. Uh, her um, causing the water tower to seem like it's falling over, and boy, you have been able to overcome that, realizing. Yeah. Of course, he early on. Was very much planning the idea of you know we're not really this isn't real this is in the attack in the uh, uh, the uh, 
in the hotel. Car park in the hotel, yeah. yeah. So he already had kind of surmised the reality of things, even though he still couldn't quite see it. And so to have him be able to sort of overcome that long enough to be able to do the mission that he needed to do on that water tower in, in New Mexico, I think, was was well done. I thought that was believable to me. Well, and the genius of setting the hotel on fire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, okay, we're surrounded by barbed wire. We can't get out. What are we going to do? Well, it's a mental projection. Yeah, but we believe enough in it that it's, okay, so what do we do? We set the hotel on fire. And I'm going, why would you do, why would you add fire to mental barbed wire? Oh, because it set off the alarm and it broke his concentration. Right. Oh, right. genius. Yeah. yeah. He's such a cool character. <laughs> oh, and for a story that includes so much mental deception, I really like the fact that they introduced those two CIA characters who I never fully trusted if they were CIA or if they were part of these terrorists. And I think that was intentional to make you not sure to trust them because we know who we trust and everybody else is suspect. That's what I liked about that. And then but they I, found, wound up being trustworthy. And I, I like that. Ultimately, though, my problem with that is I didn't get enough of who they are, what they were. They I kept confusing of, them for terrorists. They too. sort of alluded the fact Looted to the fact that they were well, they were the two in the chase van that, that mm-hmm. went after the uh, because they recognized that well, we're I'm, I'm the chase van, I'm supposed to follow this truck, right. even though the rest of the convoy is going on. But, um, I think the my, my problem was they went there and they gave the, the pertinent information to the Brig and Boyev and Chess, which I liked Chess, I loved his character as well. Um, but the problem I had with that was it was like they came there, they gave them the pertinent information that they needed, but you know, they, and maybe very much an American CIA way said, you know, we can't be involved in this kind of thing. And part of it, and I think it was, it was told to me enough and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but it gave me the impression that the reason they couldn't be connected to it was because they were part of the experiment or reason why the experiments were done on these people. Is that what I got out of that? I kind of got that impression okay. too. So maybe that was, that came across I, I, enough. It was twofold because the, um, when they're in the chase with uh, the truck being diverted off the highway, the, the boss of the CIA operation and they're, they're radioing back and forth going, dude, the truck left the highway. And he's like, no, it isn't. No, it's that's right, right behind us. <laughs> At the end of that chase sequence, he makes the comment about what idiots they are because they're wearing their sunglasses at night and, the, you know, just like that. But then that comes back around in the conversation at Chess's house because they've got the they're sunglasses still wearing on. still sunglasses, And yeah. that's what prevented them from being duped by the illusion is whatever happened, whatever the polar filter was, that it, mm-hmm. it blocked right, that right. out so they didn't see right, it. Right, I got that. But the boss of the CIA operation, it, it took me... Even after reading it, it took me a couple more chapters before it settled in that he was now the vice president. Oh, okay. That he oh, has since now that since oh, that okay. happened See, that I little interlude that. that we got I with the vice president well, giving why, a speech about Chicago. That's it's that why. Guy. Okay, that makes sense, and that why they they point out the fact that you know he he can't be compromised because number one right. his position and he's got kids and he has a wife and, and so uh, he's yes very they high were probably now. involved yeah, okay. in these experiments and we really can't screw it up for him gotcha. now. Gotcha. Okay, then that completely fixes that for me because I kept well, also, wanting more from that. It also kind of comes across as a well you. Guys guys are foreign operatives on our soil but we're gonna let you handle yeah. this right so here's what you need and we'll be which is very un-american too though so but that works for me as to why they would relinquish that it very much comes across as a you know should you or any of your imf team be caught or killed yes well you're <laughs> right. a foreign agent so we're gonna sweep that exactly. under the rug too yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> part of the mass hallucination there was a russian agent here maybe he was involved yeah <laughs> We, we've very got a cover mission story impossible. Yeah. 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 I was going to say this, this story was a little more mission impossible than even James Bondy to yeah. my, yeah. to my yeah. opinion, uh, just, which was still a good thing. was still a great thing, which was nice. It was kind of different from a, we've had kind of James Bond capers previously. It was nice to have a more mission impossible style. Well, yeah. The John Peel one was very James Bond. I think that's the, the grandfathers. I think yeah. that also kind of works to its favor that, that, that the earlier seventies stuff really, really feels more James Bond. And rightfully so, the 80s, the, the newer, the more modern stuff feels a little more Mission Impossible. Yeah. I think that, that comes through because of those different eras. I yeah, think. you're right. It's a much better analogy that way. I just really, really enjoyed this story. And I, uh, what do you guys think? Uh, anything else about this before we move into the epilogue, which I think is kind of its own thing as well, but... 
just some really good writing just some really good great action some great descriptions and it's never boring either no there's always something going on well and i used the term cinematic earlier and I, i i just keep going back to how much this just played out in my head mm-hmm. it, it just it just flowed yeah. and considering how much action is in it action's hard to write sure it, it's, oh, yeah. it's a difficult thing and it's to try and and convey that but at, at no point in time did i get you know the sense of you know i mean i trucked through that train station when alistair's chasing mm-hmm. um the, the the redhead and patriot games it's kind of reminded me of that yeah, with the scene yeah. with the the, the ponytail um, and and even the quiet moments where the one guy is sitting in the empty football stadium just kind of enjoying his moment and then he's gonna have, or a baseball game and he's gonna you know have the game go on um, and he's doing it all through mind power it's like I can see that I can see that playing out and when you're dealing with mental illusions and what people are seeing how difficult is that to put down on paper and then convey that to the reader. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because it is a visual idea, but it worked yeah, and it was absolutely. through the whole book at no point in time. Did I feel like it, the ball was dropped or, you know, the, the it was consistent through the whole thing mm-hmm. and uh, just, just very wowed by that. Yeah. I, I concur with hundred percent. I, I never struggled in my mind to be able to visualize anything because it was so well, written it was so real well laid out for me that i could visualize it really easy in fact i i was almost in that you know very cinematic i could picture how i would have composed this shot yeah for the film you <laughs> yeah. know that's yeah. it goes down to that yeah when you're directing it in your head as you go i mean yeah, th- th- exactly. that's more impressive than even some of the big finish that we've listened yeah, to agreed. where they have the benefit of sound effects and and you know actors and different things like that this is just words on a page but this did such a good job of conveying all of it mm-hmm. i would agree epilogue so we're back and the brig asks to keep the <laughs> one statue, keep the creepy gnome. which I thought, uh, no way in heck I would do that. But I can see the brigadier yeah. going, oh, this is important enough that I probably ought to hold on to this. Uh, especially having gone through what he did. But part of me kind of wonders if that was the brigadier, you know, staunch military man saying, you know, this shouldn't get in the wrong hands. I'm going to keep this. You know, to get, make sure it gets I'll into the right I'll crate it hands. up and ship it off to the vault yeah, later. Yeah, <laughs> put, it, put it in the vault later. Or is this a brigadier realizing, you know, I got to a, a second chance at reliving some oh. of my younger days. And so I had that that in my back of my mind going, which way was the brig thinking when he did that? Mm. Because now yeah, he's 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 very old. He's, he's, in, he's going back to the home. His days are behind him for the most part. And I had to wonder if it was a selfish effort to maybe attempt to do something like this again but which to me is more intriguing than it being flat out realizing that the brig was being the brig and wanted to make sure that this didn't get in the wrong hands so i kind of like the fact that i i struggle with i wonder which one it is um the other interesting thing is the fact that that the the bishops come come yeah. to uh to visit him and this sets off what appears to be setting up the next book in the series. So which I, I really liked too that that we were able to springboard right out of this book into what's coming in the next book, which I think is where they're where they're going with this. Yeah, that is um for me that really helps the framing device. Yeah. Uh, it helps was, it a lot. was the epilogue. Um because at first it was like, eh, we're back to this scary gnome. You know, it's it's not why would you keep that take a hammer to it i could see doing that but um but i I, for me i don't think there's much mystery in the brig maybe there's a part of him that would like to continue to relive some of his adventures and and feel young again i don't believe that's his ultimate that's almost a little too for, for somebody that has walked the straight and narrow as frequently as the brig has there's never a doubt in my mind that he's going to do the right thing for the right reasons, that he's never going to stray over into the wrong thing for the right reasons, even though they kind of imply See, I think that. That's the with problem us. with that though. If you, if you set up that it makes him a little too infallible. And I think I like the idea of there being a little bit of, of possibility of fallibility. Oh, very much. Could... I mean, the, the way this one ends with the, um, 
Oh, with him shooting. Yeah, because he he shoots her. the person, and then there, there's kind of that lingering. Did this happen the first time or not? Right, right. That, but and he he's, that was he's another just, thing that I liked about. That. He's yeah. just going to live with it, and it's like okay, but again, it was the right decision at the right time. Especially well, and, and the discussion be- that they have throughout the book of. <laughs> doing the right thing for the right reasons or if it's the wrong thing for the right reasons right. the motives and what defines oh that was a fantastic scene between do. yeah was it this book that said something about uh sometimes you blow up a underground you bury this bury, bury the reptiles bury the reptiles yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and i thought back to that i thought yeah that was another situation where of course now he blamed geneva for that but he or yeah he blamed the brass for that but he yeah that was ultimately his choice um, yeah, so I thought that was neat that that, that something that maybe the, the 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 series so far hasn't addressed is is some of those what I have called in the past inconsistencies with the character we've seen on screen. That this was one of those times where I felt like okay, there's there paints a picture of the brig that we sometimes got in the series, and I think that worked really well to tie those together and especially make that callback to that. Yeah, well, and you know, as much as we disagreed with it. Because I remember when we reviewed it, we Keith and I, I think, were very incensed and angry with the brick at that point. <laughs> yeah. Um, for, for for making that call, but putting yourself in the brig's shoes, it's the right call to make. Mm-hmm. His job is to defend England, and the reptiles living under our feet. Nah, bury him. That's you know, you you can't fault him for the logic behind it. But you can apply that to Harriet Jones too, blowing up the Sycorax ship as mm-hmm. it ran away. I'm. Never thought she was absolutely in the wrong too. <laughs> Guilty, uh, you know. I, yeah, I'm the same way. It's like, eh, I'm not. The Silurians gave me more reason to like them than the Sycorax did. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> not, the, not the wrong as, as call. Far as, as far as the gnome goes, I didn't go that direction with my thinking in it at all. I thought that the gnome had a kind of hold on the rig. Oh, I didn't. That, go that it was way, kind right? of a. Well, there's a third element. To a. It, a yeah. You know, he's compelled to keep it because of whatever power this gnome oh, has. Wow. Yeah, Not even a, a mental yeah, like thought a process of him. It's a, yeah, that's what I took with. Wow, took yeah, away. that's another. That's another cool. <laughs> that's what I like. Is I like. I don't. I don't want that in an entire book, but I want a, a a element to happen where you have so many different scenarios that could be put into that situation. Yeah. And I think that that's what I liked about this epilogue is it made me think of those two things, and then now you've added that third layer on top of that of what what's what's going on here plus it also kind of adds a bit of malevolence to the gnome well it's totally the the the, the great intelligence <laughs> it's trapped in the body of a guard laughing about it <laughs> i just assumed it was because he knew the bishops were coming over for tea <laughs> and he was gonna give them i mean obviously thing. obviously i uh, well we don't know is is uh Bishop the Brig at this time is he still serving? I don't know. I don't, I don't know if he's retired. I remember they, they called him Brigadier, but they obviously still hold the titles. <clears throat> I remember that we had one short story where the two brigadiers, the two brigadiers yeah. came into play, but, but I, don't I don't think Alistair was in the home yet. Yeah, no, I don't. I think I don't think he was. But at he still he wasn't as wheelchair as well, at so. that point. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know if Bishop's still serving or not. But the, but he would be the right person to get. Yeah. He and Ed would be the right people to get it to whoever's in charge now. Right, right. Well, clearly it's um, Kate. (laughs) (laughs) Take this to my daughter. Yeah. (laughs) She won't listen if it comes from me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, anything else? All right, well, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up on the schedule next... uh... Shouldn't Next have to week. look this up because there's not a lot. I mean, there's, there's not much on the schedule. There's one more week before the show comes back. So, and, and next week happens to be nobody's going to throw it out there. A 400th anniversary? Anniversary? Oh, I had forgotten. Really? Yeah, I really had. I was no, I was <laughs> more. I was more thinking of oh, we're doing a fun and games episode. <laughs> that's that's what I'm excited about. We are going to have fun and we are going to play games. And it happens to be our 400. 400 is just a number, though, really. It's just a number. It's just a number. It, it speaks to the, 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 the wonderful listeners that we have and our 
entirely too pig-headed stubbornness to quit. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say it. I think it speaks to our endurance more than anything, but yes. Oh, that's a good word. Luckily, I like that better than pig-headed. Luckily, <laughs> luckily, we have listeners out there, too, that, is, that have helped us motivate us to, to endure, so... So uh, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna do some Doctor Who flux and review that, and then we're also going to throw in the Titan Comics Road to the Thirteenth Doctor, uh, three issues. Yes, three issue series, and uh, we're gonna pave our own road to uh, Episode Four Hundred One, which will be our review of the Woman Who Fell to Earth and the debut of Jodie Whittaker as the Thirteenth Doctor. Don't forget, next week we are giving away some prizes on the show. And so what we need you to do is we need you to qualify to win those prizes. So what we're doing is we have set it up in such a way that uh, if you are following us on social media or liking us on social media or things like that, you'll be able to get chances to enter. And this is a a little reminder. We started this last week, um, but we haven't seen anybody email us with their entries. So admittedly, somebody was a little late posting the uh, official rules. (laughs) Sean, how, uh, how can people uh, enter to win? Well, if you were to like and follow us on Facebook, the traveling the vortex Facebook page, that's worth an entry. If you share uh, something that we've posted on a Facebook page, that's worth an entry. Um, so there's a, a very quick opportunity to get several, you know, oh, just keep sharing those. Keep and, sharing and, and if you already like us, it still counts. It still counts. Uh, and we'll explain how in just a minute. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. You can retweet the Epiversary tweet, which has not happened yet. We're, I'm formulating what the Epiversary tweet should be. It'll probably say, retweet this. and, and <laughs> you'll, you'll know. You'll know you'll when know. you see it. Uh, you it's can, something very unshawn like <laughs> You'll <laughs> If I point the gun at my own head, <laughs> uh, you could follow us on Instagram. You could join the Goodreads Book Club. That one's worth two entries. Uh, sign up to support us on Patreon is worth two entries. Or the big one. Well, that should be more than two. You think? Yeah. Review us on iTunes or any other host site. So if you uh, submit a review to iTunes or submit a review to our Facebook or submit a review to, what's Google another one Play they can Store. Google, Google Play, Play Store. Store. Um, that's worth two entries, but maybe we should make that in the Patreon three. I think patrons should be three. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to change that to be three then. Um, and then just send us an email, um, which, of course, you can do through. That's the most important thing is yeah. to send us an email to tell us that you've done this, because that'll be the only way that we can track and see, you know, because we could, we could go to Facebook and look at everybody that has liked us. and okay, All those people have an entry. But what we want to do is put a little bit of the onus on you for the entry. So it's a two part process. Do one of those things or all of those things. And then send us an email to validate or verify that right. you've done Right, so it. just send us an email and say, hey, guys, I already like you on Facebook, and I forwarded this post uh, this week. And, you know, whatever you've done, just just list it. And that gives us an, a, a way to be able to, to double-check and verify. Right. You know, trust but verify. Uh, and then we will throw uh, all those entries into the uh, the, the glossy fishbowl, and uh, we'll draw them out. I better get a glossy fishbowl. <laughs> Keith, where should they send those emails to us if they want to uh, validate their entry? So if you're already on our Facebook page, 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 (laughs) there is a send us an email button, and that will help you formulate an email to feedback at traveling the board. Feedback at travelingthevortex.com. I'm not even going to edit those. (laughs) Apparently, (laughs) I can't play footsie with you while you're talking. (laughs) It's too distracting. (laughs) Or if you're on our website. Just go uh, fill out the send us feedback tab or send it directly to feedback at com. And that way there's a paper trail. And we should probably put a a stop. I mean, I don't mind if you want to send several emails. If you want to go, well, I already like you on these places. And then later in the week, send another one and said, okay, I did this, this, and this as well. That's fine. We'll add them together. But we should probably put a a deadline because... We don't want to be throwing entries into the bucket when we're recording. So we should probably... Saturday probably should be our deadline so that we have all day Sunday to formulate all the the entries. So Saturday midnight, whatever time zone you're in, and we'll get up Sunday morning. Right. No, absolutely. (laughs) Saturday night, Saturday midnight going into Sunday. So we're talking about Saturday the 29th at midnight, wherever you're located. So if you're on the East Coast of the U.S., it's midnight for you. If you're on the west coast of the U.S., it's midnight for you. In the U.K., you know, Greenwich Mean Time, it's it's your deadline is for you. So, yeah, go ahead and uh, send those in and let us know. And remember, these are epic prizes of game show proportions. <laughs> we're, we, we've got 
We've got, no, they're not. But we've got comics. <laughs> we've got, we've got books. We've we got DVDs. Right. We've got yeah. There's there's swag. Yeah, and we want to give a lot of it away. So very it's cool. All, it's all thanking you for 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 hanging in there with us. Yes. If you need to know where you can leave reviews, well, guess what? You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us on uh, Google Play Store. We're also on TuneIn and Mixer and. Uh, various other places. Uh, so go go look us up. There's also some links on our website to those. And of course, uh, our Patreon link is there as well. So if you want your uh, bonus three entries and you'd like to support us on Patreon, uh, it's twofold. It gets something for you and it gets something for us as well because all of the money raised through Patreon uh, does go right back into this podcast 100%. And again, thank you to all those that are already supporting us. Very Anything so. else we need to talk about this week before we close this one? If you need proof, we just paid for another year of the server. So, <laughs> All right. Very good. Well, if that's going to do it for this time, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. And I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.